0: Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities.
1: Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. do you want to make friends, I'm just trying to help you save some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach and put this one in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. After another brutal day in an increasingly shaky market, Dow plunging 390 points, S&P plummeting 1.22%, NASDAQ nose diving 1.20%, I know they're bad, but believe me, it was worse at one point. Everybody on Wall Street is searching for companies that are strong enough to transcend the day-to-day havoc. And there's a lot of havoc to transcend. This morning, we opened down hard on fears that the Chinese government might need to crack down on the extremely heated protests in Hong Kong. Hey, listen, maybe they'll even go full Tiananmen Square, send in the army, the PLA to cool the situation down. But then buyers stepped in to take advantage of the pullback. The average just bounced nicely. After all, so far, China hasn't done anything serious, and there was nothing else driving us down other than a negative note about, by Goldman Sachs about a possible slowdown in the economy. But then those buyers who came in, they got blasted. The next thing you know, bonds are taking off again, interest rates are falling hard, and we get hit with an all-too-familiar freakout. Everyone's worried that something must be very wrong in the global economy if rates keep falling like this. Doesn't matter that lower rates actually do spur commerce. It's too unnerving to see the benchmark ten-year Treasury sporting a one point six four percent yield and going down so much in yield so quickly. It is pretty incredible, isn't it? Wow. So why do investors from all over the world keep crowding, crowding into safe uh, assets like U.S. Treasuries and crowing that it's great to get out of the stock market? Okay, first, there's a sense of foreboding caused by the trade war. The vast majority of economists will tell you that tariffs are the bane of growth. I think we need to crack down on China's bad behavior, but there's some truth to that argument about tariffs. The trade war is starting to hurt Chinese consumer spending, that is for certain, and Chinese capital spending. The Goldman note this morning that I just referenced argues that it's only a matter of time before the slowdown gets exported to our shores. Second, central banks worldwide are indeed engaged in a race to the bottom. You hear that a lot, right? They're doing everything they can to debase their currencies, lower interest rates in order to breathe new life into their economies. Makes sense. Unfortunately, that means they're devaluing versus our greenback, which makes the dollar less competitive and therefore our companies less competitive. This makes people afraid because central banks wouldn't be doing this, right, unless they were worried about the global economy. I mean, why bother? They must know something we don't. Keep hearing that. Keep hearing that. The upside here is that lower rates are indeed good for business. But nobody on Wall Street seems to care right now. They don't think lower rates will spur commerce, something I haven't heard since the Great Recession. To me, this is crazy current situation is nothing like the lead-up to the Great Recession. We're practically at full employment. Lower rates should be fabulous for business. However, so many money managers are just totally terrified by the implications here. The idea that rates would never be this low unless something was very wrong. that They don't care about the positives. They're not looking for opportunity. We always look for opportunity. Third, a lot of people are concerned about negative interest rates, particularly in Europe. But there's nothing inherently wrong with negative rates. Unfortunately, the places that have them are so risk averse and wedded to austerity that they won't take advantage of them to be able to issue debt, get their economies moving. Now, these governments could borrow money at a negative rate. People would literally pay them to take the money, but they won't do it. The problem? Well, most of the people who run Europe live in fear of inflation because of what happened in the Weimar Republic when there was hyperinflation. Even though the problem right now is obviously deflation, they still haven't gotten over that Weimar era of hyperinflation. Plus, the European Union has rules against deficit spending that make it harder for members to borrow massive sums of money, but they could do something. Of course, that doesn't explain why our government refuses to take advantage of the situation to refinance the nation's balance sheet. If only they could do that. We're not allowed to do it, but they could make an exception somehow. We could borrow a fortune for 30 years at barely more than 2%. Now, this to me is a failure of imagination by our government. People are desperate to buy U.S. treasuries. The government should give us them, at least to support infrastructure spend. Final reason, there's so much doom and gloom that even businesses aren't borrowing like they used to. I think that's the main worry here right now. Uh, Companies won't be able to expand because something is wrong with the economy. The bears think this this fear will eventually trickle down to the consumer in a very negative way. The idea here is that we could basically talk ourselves into a recession, even though the only thing to fear, thank you FDR, is fear itself. Now, I know this all sounds like circular reasoning, but it's happened before. The economy is all about confidence, and when you lose that confidence for whatever reason, it can do a lot of damage. So people are talking about this like it's a totally binary fixation. We're either in the roaring 20s, right, or we're roaring like the 20s, or we're crashing like the 30s. I think it's more likely that we'll have incremental deterioration. Things were going very well. Now they're going to go a little worse. I don't think it's worse than that. But that brings us back to the big question. What can transcend all these woes? What kind of stock can you buy? I mean, there's always a bull market somewhere, right? What can make you money? Or at least make owning stocks feel less painful in this environment. Well, first, I've got a list here. Oh, there's nothing new. You need gold. Rates are extremely low. Owning a non-interest-bearing asset like gold is a very smart way to put your money to work. I want you to think of it as insurance against economic chaos. You can own the physical metal, never mind that. You put it in a safety deposit. Do not keep it at home. An ETF that mirrors gold prices like the GLD. At the same time, you know what? I got two miners I like. Barrack Gold, which just merged with Rangold, kept the symbol G O L D. And I think it represents great value. That's uh you know, Dr. Mark Bristow, okay? Uh, and then this morning, Sean Boyd's Agnico Eagle. I mean, um, this morning uh, Barrack reported a great number. And then you know I like this Agnico Eagle. We had Sean Boyd on recently. Wow. He's got terrific growth. Hey, you know what? Let's just do this. Either Barrack or Agnico Eagle's fine with me, okay? They're both run by talented executives. Second. How about some safe dividend stocks with the, with rates so low? Uh, when rates go down, investors put a premium on anything that gives you a safe, consistent yield. Now, the obvious ones are the utilities, American Electric Power, Dominion, Con Ed. They're the three that I've been using. When I say using, it means that I've talked to you about. Uh, I like it, I like some of these real estate investment trusts. I, you know I like Ventas. That's Ed, Deb, Cafaro. How great has she been? Telco, it's Verizon. Just reported a pretty good quarter. Third, there are the classic slowdown stocks, a little more riskier. That's why Campbell Soup, Kellogg, Coca-Cola held in. They all held in there today. You know what? I do like Merck. I like Bristol Myers. It's down a lot, but they're doing some good things. These companies are either consistent, like Coke and Merck, or they're taking action to reaccelerate their growth, like Campbell Soup and Bristol Myers. Wow, look at that Merck, huh? People know quality when they need it. Fourth, you can hide in the stocks of retailers with enormous scale. Now, this is something that is my view. Others don't agree with me. I don't care. I like you to be in WATCH. That's my acronym for Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. Some people believe these companies could be used losers in the trade war. I think that's nonsense. The WATCH names are winners in this environment, consistent winners, because they can strong arm their suppliers into eating the cost of the tariffs, and they have such a hold on the American consumer. Now, while I think the recession stocks work here, I do not believe that we are headed into a recession, people. There's too much going right. Lower mortgage rates, lower car rate loans for, for, uh, to buy cars, uh, robust consumer spending, very strong job creation. Yes, there are weak spots, but that's hardly the stuff of recession. However, because of this job, I'm also a student of the market. And the bottom line is that as a student of the market, I know you can't fight this bearishness short term. Over a longer time frame, I think I'll be proven right about the economy. But for now, the day to day action is going to favor the slowdown stocks and wreak havoc for the industrials, the technology stocks, and worst of all, the financials. Until rates get so low that sellers at last come into the market and buyers come back to stocks, of course, it will be done at the exact same time. Let's go to Andrew in Missouri. Andrew! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for the show. Oh, thank you so much. You it. Yeah, you've been really helpful. I've been in thank about you. three years learning, and it's Let's... helped me a, a bunch. Ah, you're terrific. I'm racing cash levels in the IRA, so I just wanted to see. I've been looking at really beat-up names here lately, and I was thinking maybe craft Times is about time to take a look. Well, look, I spent a lot of time over the weekend looking at craft Times. It happens to be, I mean, like an hour. I mean, maybe I shouldn't spend even more, but the truth is, is that they're doing quite badly, and I can't recommend a stock just because it's cheap because it turns out to be often not cheap when we see the earnings. So I'm going to have to say no to that. I prefer Coca-Cola. Let's go to Jerry in Kansas. Please, Jerry.
0: Yes, Mr. Kramer. I bought some Canada and go at $20 a share, and I sold some of it at $70 a share. Ooh.
1: With everything that's going on, should I sell the rest or keep it? I think that people... Um, I'd sell some. Uh, I'd sell some because I think that in the end... The apparel stocks are losers right here, and even the good ones are losers. So, I mean, even the VF Corpse, and I think that's such a good situation. I don't want to touch apparel. Let's go to Casey in California. Casey. Hey, Jim. This is uh, Casey from South Sacramento. Ah, I love Sacramento. Is, SACTO. The stock I'm calling about is uh, Shopify. Is it too late to jump in,
2: or does it still have room? Yeah, you got to
1: wait for it to come down. I mean, it hit 372 today. Uh, it is a big action alert team. I've got a very big conference called Wednesday uh, where I want to talk about the Shopify's of the world and why I thought it was OK to do some trimming, because, wow, some of these stocks went up so far so fast. Let's go to Chris, where my daughter used to live, Oregon. Chris. <laughs> Booyah to you, Jim, from Booyah. the Pacific Northwest. Well, my I love that. I love is, where uh, you live. What's Duncan.
2: up? I'm looking at Dunkin'. been collecting it since the beginning of the year and uh, with their Beyond Meat partnership. I was wondering what you're thinking for the rest of the year.
1: I like that sausage, uh, but you know what? That's not going to move the needle. That said, Dunkin' is good. I like Starbucks more, but Dunkin' is a very good story. And I certainly am not going to tell you that uh, it's anything other than a very good stock. There is a lot of terror in the street. But there are stocks and themes that can buck the gloom and doom, and you can go into them very slowly. This one, you have a little more pressure to get in right now. All right, that's the key, the key to remember, especially on days like today. I don't want you to be ruled by fear. Well, man, money tonight, Trump slammed video games for violence so this week, but take two interactive. was still able to beat its earnings outlook. I'm talking with the CEO about all its headlines. And it's not a doctor, but it plays one on Wall Street. I'm talking to the CEO of Curate Dr. Pepper to see if the company could be worth owning in the current environment. And it's a company that put a wrinkle in Botox's plan to dominate the market. Don't miss my exclusive with Everest. So stay with Kramer. Don't
0: miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
1: To get this. Earlier this morning, I'm reading two different pieces of research in a row. An excellent piece, a thesis even, on Dollar Tree by Matt Boss from J.P. Morgan. He's the best retail analyst in business right now, followed by a well-reasoned tome about how Darden, parent of Olive Garden and, yes, Longhorn Steak, has the scale and management to dominate what I call the slow casual dying category. I call it that because how else could you do it? I mean, given the line at Olive Garden, it's always so jammed when I go. Now, I like both these pieces, Dollar Tree like its cousin Dollar General, far less China exposure than most people seem to understand. Everybody's worried about what happens to the dollar stores when Trump's new tariffs go into effect September 1st. I think it's going to be very manageable. How about Darden? On the surface, the company's got plenty of woes, from the cost of their never-ending dishes to the labor shortages, rising prices of chicken or beef. But right now, everybody's worried about a slowdown. And if we have a slowdown, the labor shortage will be no longer a problem. Oh, and if China really wrecks American agriculture, that's a blessing for the restaurants because it means the raw costs will come down. Meanwhile, the price of gasoline is going to plummet, leaving consumers with more money in their pockets. That always means they go to Olive Garden. As for Dollar Tree, hey, that's where you shop when the economy's in trouble. Everybody knows that. Then after I read the notes, very upbeat, I go watch the news, and it's like a litany of, whoa, I mentioned at the top of the show. The Chinese army looks like it's on the verge of occupying Hong Kong. There are bill- trillions of dollars of negative yields. Europe seems like it's heading back down to a recession. Meanwhile, our trade war with China just keeps escalating. So what do you do with the likes of Dollar Tree and Darden? Don't kid yourself. These are great companies, but their stocks are members of what's called the S&P 500. So you have to worry that they could be dragged down by the gravitational pull of the entire market. Even with these fabulous pieces of research this morning, well, Darden shed more than a a percent. Now, Dollar Tree actually managed to rally. I think that's Matt Boss's work, so he kept it... He's he's that popular. At the same time, I can't get it out of my head that a slowdown will draw people to Dollar Tree like a magnet. And the new cleaner stores have never looked better. Great brands, too. Years ago, they bought Family Dollar, a much worse chain. But they keep revamping those stores with terrific results. If you get a dip here, well, you know what? I think to buy. Darden. Stock yields almost 3%. Dividends is about as safe as it can get. Darden sells for less than 19 times this year's earnings. Dollar tree clock's in at 18 times. I think the future for both companies seems brighter than the past. Yield inexpensive versus its growth rate. What is not to like? It's their membership in the S&P 500, though, that worries me. People sell the S&P 500 in this kind of market. I could see Darden falling to 17 times earnings, Dollar Tree going to 15 times earnings if the averages keep getting hammered based on these overblown fears of recession. Those would be big hits to these stocks. Fear it can do that. I saw it happen in 1998, the fear of the system collapsing. Of course, back then you had a catalyst, the collapse of a big hedge fund, long-term capital, and you had no idea how low things could go until the Fed cut rates and emergency meeting. But we didn't know about long-term capital until it happened. Maybe that's happening now. So you know what? Don't be here. I do like the stocks of Dollar Tree and Darden. I think they're owning once the coast is clear. But why take the risk now? Sure, the biggest worry right now is that the U.S. Treasury yields will keep falling. That only makes a dividend stock like Darden more attractive. And as a trade-down retailer, Dollar Tree benefits from a slowdown. But it's not enough to offset the risk for me. So you got to wait till the dust settles before committing any new money. Now, you know we were still selling this morning for ActionAlertsPlus.com Club? Still this morning. I don't want to be here. As long as the market's fortunes are handcuffed to the tenure, so when yields go down, which they are, all stocks, even good ones go down like Dollar Tree and Darden, well, let's just say we're not done. Let's be careful. Let's stick with. Me.
3: Drop in. Watch free.
0: As taste and tech change the game, players have flocked online and to the arena. But with popular titles and a finger on the pulse of esports, can this hit maker take investors to the
1: next level? In a turbulent time for the market, we want to fall back on companies that can deliver. Companies like Kramer fave Take-Two interactive software, the best video game publisher in the business. For years, Take-Two stock chugged steadily higher. But then late last year, the whole group went into a tailspin as investors freaked out about the rise of a new kind of competition. These free-to-play battle royale games like Fortnite. Take-Two stock spent months getting hammered, pulling back from $139 last October to $84 this February. Since then, though, it's been on fire. Take-Two never stopped releasing huge titles. They're making a fortune on Grand Theft Auto Online, Red Dead Redemption 2, and all the 2K sport games. This NBA 2K may be the thing that we have to talk about more than anything. After climbing steadily from its lows, the stock launched into the stratosphere last week when Take-Two reported a spectacular quarter. 20-cent, 2-cent earnings beat off a 5-cent basis, much higher than expected sales, up 46% year-over-year, highest uh, ratio of expectation-to-beat that I follow. Plus, management's full-year forecast was fantastic, especially since they're about to launch Borderlands 3 next month, which could be one of the year's biggest titles. The stock exploded higher on the news, and I think it's got much more room to run. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Strauss Zelnick, the bankable chairman and CEO of Take-Two Interactive. Learn more about the quarter his company's headed. Mr. Zelnick, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Strauss. Tim, how are Have you? Have a seat. Thank you. Well, first, I'm just going to straight out congratulate you. It was the best beat of, of 2019. Thank you. Um, you. And it was all it was it was Grand Theft, (laughs) but it was also NBA Two K, but it was also Red Dead Redemption. You've been in the hit business all your life. Have you ever seen so many hits click at once? Uh, Well, even answering the
3: question makes me nervous. I know. I know. That's like asking the Eagles just won ten straight. Can it continue? Look, we're we're incredibly grateful to our creative teams, and they keep delivering. And the reason they deliver is our strategy is to make the best entertainment. We are focused on being the most creative, the most efficient, and the most innovative company in the entertainment business. We don't always succeed, as you know, right. but that's what we aim to do every well, day. Well,
1: let's talk about that. Two, last time you're on, two times ago, when you were on, you said, okay, we screwed up NBA 2K. It didn't have the right launch uh, because you weren't happy with the numbers. And you, fig- you said, don't worry about it. Last time you were on, I kept pressing you on Fortnite. You told me it's just going to make things better. Both panned out exactly as you said. Now, that's something you got to be proud of. We're really happy with how NBA 2K is doing.
3: And by the way, we're happy with how Fortnite is doing. Hits are good for the marketplace. Uh, NBA 2K19 has now sold in 12 million units, and recurrent consumer spending was up 140% in the quarter. It it is extraordinary. And
1: there was a time when you would sit here and NBA season would end and, and sales would drop. I don't, you name Anthony Davis, you get the right music going on in the back, background. It doesn't stop. It's not well, even a blip. That's right. It used to be about a three-month experience. Right?
3: Now it's a nine- or ten-month experience. Our goal is to make that a 12-month experience, an experience that never ends, just gets better and better. There's a country where that's already the case, isn't it? Uh, you China? Are. Yeah, well, with China, we, right. of course, have our online game. So NBA 2K Online in China, we launched the second version, second okay. iteration, that title's up seventy-five percent year over year, and we have forty-six million registered users. It, it remains the number one PC sports title in China. Meanwhile,
1: one hundred and ten million. What are we up to now for Grand Theft?
3: Well, we've, we're still saying one hundred and ten million users. Okay. But, but you should know, in the past six months, five out of those six months, it's been a top ten title. That's incredible. And Grand Theft Auto Online set you know was up a set a new record in the first quarter. Okay, I'm, that's I'm gonna, before
1: the launch of the Casino Pack, which is huge. Okay, well, I was going to take. What a clown I am. Okay, so I'm reading through. And what I asked Strauss, and I see that you've got this thing. I think and maybe you opened a casino, Diamond Casino and Resort. And I, I go to Expedia. Oh, you thought it was like a physical casino. Yeah. You were ready, ready to book a ticket. But you yeah. had all the things. And I said, you know what? He's—it's he's got a palace of, palace of gaming. <laughs> you do that thing
3: so well. You make it so realistic. Well, Rockstar Games has done an amazing job. And social casino is a big part of the interactive entertainment business. It's great to be in the social casino business now through Red Dead Online and Grand Theft Auto Well,
1: let, Online. let's talk about Red Dead. Uh, the numbers there are amazing. Were the, was the world just craving for a Western?
3: We think so. And, you know, the, the uh, conventional wisdom before the launch of the first Red Dead Redemption was Westerns don't work in interactive entertainment. Truth is, if you give something, give an audience something that's unexpected and fantastic, they show up for it. And Red Dead Redemption 2 is now sold in 25 million units. Massive hit.
1: Of course, course, uh, Strauss knows that my nephew cliff mason writes the show with me i asked him how big because he just sits there. he plays a lot of the games while we're writing the show together I, he said borderlands 3 going to be big but not as big as red dead so don't get your hopes up What do you think <laughs> of his view he's a conservative like you right
3: look very few titles can rise to the level of rockstar games title right. and if borderlands 3 became close to red dead redemption 2 we'd be just thrilled uh, the truth is that Borderlands 3 coming out in September is shaping up to be a massive title because the catalog's been selling great. Well, I wanted to talk so, about that
1: because it's almost like a prequel. The catalog becomes a prequel.
3: Yeah, the catalog the, is... The,
1: the, the margins must be incredible.
3: The margins are high. We're delivering upres versions and consumers are really loving it. I think a concern that we had was... You know, it's been almost eight years since right. Borderlands 2, and you wonder whether, you know, consumers see that as a fresh title. It seems like the buzz is saying absolutely right.
1: yes. Okay, now, grand theft in the news again. President comes out, links it to gun violence. Every time I've done it, I think there's been three different appearances in Washington. You have statistics, empirical data, which shows it just isn't right. But I, want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth.
3: Well, let's just start with, you know, Jim, you and I are, were both fathers, uh, we're sons, we're siblings. Um, this is a terrible tragedy, yeah. a senseless tragedy. And you know, we, we, it's, it's fun to talk about entertainment, but you know, lives were were lost. Um, the truth is, it's disrespectful to the victims and the families to point the finger at entertainment. Entertainment is, is part of people's daily joy, and it's consumed worldwide, and it's the same worldwide. Gun violence is uniquely American, and that has to change, and that will only change if we address the real issues.
1: And if you found that it was creating gun violence, you would stop it. You'd you'd pull the title.
3: In the same way that I wouldn't choose to market uh, market substances that cause people to get sick.
1: Right. Oh, I don't want to leave it on that because there's just too much excitement. here. I went out to see NVIDIA recently with her team. They had this ray trace. I couldn't tell what was a real actor and what was... Re- that's all in the future. It's just going to be even bigger than what you have now.
3: Well, we have a new console generation coming, and that's going to allow us to do some things that we haven't been able to do before creatively. That's exciting. But as I've said before, you know, we're going to reach a point where you won't be able to tell the difference between what's created in the computer and what's real. That doesn't mean we'll do it for all of our games. Borderlands, for example, is a—it's an animated universe. It's always going to be an animated like universe. That. But this promise of taking certain titles, like basketball, yeah. and making it truly look like live action, it's pretty close now. You squint a little bit, it looks like live action. That's really exciting, and that gives our creative folks a you know a new canvas on which to paint.
1: Well, I want to congratulate you. Thanks, uh, Jim. You are a person of your word. You said all these things would come, and I'm not jinxing you, but it was a great quarter. <laughs> okay, that's Strauss Zelnick. Take to Interact with Chairman and CEO. This is the kind of stock you buy when there's craziness, because you see it's a worldwide entertainment juggernaut. That money's back into the break.
0: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
1: you got to keep up with your kids on Instagram because that's, well, you never know where they text from. That's the problem. They text from all over the place. It could be anywhere. I hear from my daughter by text constantly, but I just don't know where it's from.
0: (laughs) It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're brewing something hot or bubbling for something cold... This company wants to satisfy your liquid craving. Can they also quench investor thirst for a bankable beverage stock?
1: What can you circle the wagons around in a really volatile environment like this one? Hey, how about a beverage company? Last year, Curie Green Mountain, the popular single-serve coffee machine maker, bought Dr. Pepper Snapple, transformed itself overnight into a cotton-cold powerhouse. Now, the combined company is still a subsidiary of Curie's parent. That's the privately held JAB holding. But Curie Dr. Pepper trades uh, publicly now under the symbol KDP. We recommended it shortly after the merger was announced, and the stock's been a huge winner. It's up almost 45% since the deal closed 13 months ago, including a near 12% gain year-to-date. Just last, year, last week, they reported, really, an unbelievable quarter. Okay, it was a modest earnings beat, a couple of the tiny revenue miss. but coffee was on fire. Soda was a little subdued. We're going to find out about that. Management's still confident they can generate 2% sales growth for the full year. That would translate into 15 to 70% earnings worth. This is a consumer packaged goods company. If they can hit those numbers, I think the stock would have much more upside. So let's dig deeper with Bob Gambord. He's the chairman and CEO of Curig, Dr. Pepper. He got a better sense of the quarter and his company's prospects. Now they've had a year to digest the merger. Mr. Gamboard, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Bob. Thank, Thank you, Thank you good so good much. See have you. A seat. There were so many doubters. When this thing came together and people said, you got to wait, there's a dividend, this or that. And we went all in because of you. You have an amazing history of reviving brands and making consumer packaged goods companies come alive. This was one of the toughest yet, but you're able to do it.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, I think we've got a combination in this portfolio of brands that have been around for a long time and we add new brands to it. So it's a combination of renovation and bringing new brands into our system.
1: You're doing actual innovating. You're doing things with brands. There are other companies. I'm not going to pick on them. Okay. there are other companies that just presume every year is going to be minus one. You don't presume that kind of
2: thing. No, not at all. I I mean, I think uh, Dr. Pepper is a great example in itself. Limited edition uh, like Dark Berry, that we've launched this year. Fantastic marketing behind Dr. Pepper, the college football championship that we take over every year. That drives growth in Dr. Pepper. And then a brand like uh, Canada Dry ginger ale. We've got about a 70 share of the ginger ale market. Canada Dry grew double-digit volume last year. (laughs) I
1: found that to be unbelievable.
2: And you're adding all sorts of different flavors, and people love them. Canada Dry with lemonade was one that we introduced last year that was part of that
1: growth. Well, that's amazing. Now, the most incredible thing about it, I love the soda, but... How many houses, is this how many households is this in?
2: We are now in 28 million American households. That's one it's fifth. up 20% <laughs> over the past two years. And honestly, we feel like we, we're still just getting started. Why we did could everyone tell me point. it was tapped out, Bob? Why did everyone because say it was tapped out? they saw growth slow down, and they used the word saturation, which right. we've never used. And all it was was a, a need for more innovation and good marketing. And that's exactly what we've done.
1: Before I knew you were coming on, i said to my wife wouldn't it be great to have a coffee pot during little did i know because i hadn't done my work here it is this and is, i went on amazon it's not there yet but it everybody's doing be it this yet. week what do you think the well i can't ask you what the numbers would be but this is obviously going to be something that includes a lot of people who were not who environmentally felt that these were not right and who just missed the pot
2: yeah well this is the K-Duo brewer there are three different models We're introducing it for this holiday. We did work in 2016 when we took the company private to understand what were the barriers to new consumers coming into the Keurig system. And there were a bunch of them that we're addressing, but the number one barrier was, I don't want to give my pot up. Maybe I want it on the weekends or when a company comes over, but I still want to be able to do a single serve as well. And so we gave them exactly what they wanted, and the early read on this is very, very short. And then you gave my kids what
1: they want. This is They always say, well, you got to ask this guy it's single-serve, landfill,
2: landfill, landfill, but you've come up with something. Sustainability is a, is a big topic across the board, and we took that to heart first on the K-Cups. So all of Canada has been converted to recyclable K-Cups, and all of the U.S., which is in process of being converted now, will be converted by the end of next year. And we're just get, getting started. I mean, recyclable, uh, post-consumer recycled PET. In all of our packaging, 30% by 2025. So it's part of a bigger program to make sure that our environmental footprint is sound.
1: Well, I know from my wife's on the board of Bucknell, and you were, I know from the way you have led your life, you care passionately about doing good things, sustainability. I want to ask you about our new theme here, which is impact per share, because this is something I've known you cared about all your life. What are you guys doing besides just making that to drive home that you understand what the new consumer wants in terms of the
2: environment, in terms of the footprint It starts with, and all of this, is really listening to your consumer. And you have to listen to your consumer of all different ages. And we know, it's not a surprise, that younger consumers want healthier products and those products that have a much lower impact on the environment. So we just launched our Drink Well, Do, Do Good program, which we put on our website. It's all of our commitments to lower our impact Energy, water, solid waste, and packaging, recyclability, and sustainability as well. And we know the younger consumers. You talk about Bucknell. uh, I've spent a lot of time there as well. We know the students talk about that all the time. We have to do it.
1: Now, uh, just, uh, just some things I want to ask you about. Uh, spike seltzer, alcohol. I know someone asked you about cannabis. I know when, if it, when it gets legal, you'll be interested. But this is a phenomenon, the spike seltzer. Is that something that you should be thinking about?
2: We're, we're in the non-alcoholic business. Okay. The distribution system that we built is a powerhouse for non-alcoholic beverages. But it's a completely different distribution system for alcoholic beverages. But we launched a product called uh, DrinkWorks. Which is the first alcoholic beverage cured machine, but we did it in partnership with Anheuser-Busch okay. in Bev. Because they're the experts on that. We can develop the machines and we can develop the pods, but they are the ones who are going to handle the alcohol beverages.
1: Okay, now tariffs. They put it on these, raise the price a little bit. Obviously, you have some tariff issues here. How are you handling this uh, crazy world?
2: Well, we're monitoring it very, very closely because it changes quite a bit. The biggest impact it would have would be on the machines. So we've been thinking about this for a while. We've diversified our supply base. So it used to be almost exclusively out of China. Now we've spread our distribution, our sourcing out of China. But if it were to hit in September, as it's scheduled to, it's going to have a short-term financial impact uh, on us. We talked about 10 to 15 million dollars on the call, but we believe we can mitigate that in 2020.
1: We have to understand that's actually not a lot of money for a big company.
2: Like 10 to 15 million dollars? Yeah. Not absolutely not.
1: Now, uh, one last thing I, w- I wanted to ask you: Are you? Um, I want to go back to what it's obviously about craft times. I have to ask about mm. that. You are a turnaround specialist. Are, are there hope for dead brands? There's always hope for dead brands.
2: Look at, look at what we did in the past, and, and you and I talked about Pinnacle Foods, and a lot of those well, brands Well, that's what I wanted to declared. bring up, because what a success exactly. you had there. And I think people have talked about carbonated soft drinks being dead. They're not. They're growing as well. It's about making sure that you renovate those brands, add new benefits to them so that you make them contemporary, and bring good marketing to it as well.
1: Well, I just have to congratulate you. I, I went through all the research. People were starting with a cell, with a cell. They didn't know you. They didn't know Bob Gainberg. That's what mattered. That's Bob Gainberg. He's chairman CEO of Keurig, Dr. Pepper, KDP. We told you. they have money's back the break. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy. Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Edomar in New Jersey. Inamar. Hi. Hi, Jim. Hi. Go ahead. What stock? I love your show. Oh, thank you. I want to ask your opinion
0: about the Delta Airlines
1: stock. I don't like the airlines here. I just think that the group is being pulled down. Uh, and that they're just not the right place to be at this very moment. When Delta yields more than 3%, which is a couple of points from here, we can take a look at it again. Why don't we go to Tom in Florida. Tom.
2: Hey, Jim. many am from the family to yours.
1: Booyah.
0: Uh, Thank you. About AMAGA mag, uh, the FDA I of
4: you for the condition of HFDD in women. What's your take on this, Jim? Is it, it's a good spec. It's a good spec. I look
1: at it before when we did a, my biotech handbook at thestreet.com. I think it's a good spec. Yeah, Look, these are all a diagnosis of cancer, cardio, a cancer cardiovascular. You just own them, and you just say to yourself, okay, I may lose money in this, but there's always a chance for a home run. Let's go to Charlie in Florida. Charlie.
3: Booyah, Dr. Kramer.
1: Booyah. My stock is OKTA. Oh, Okta. OK, somebody was giving me a hard time on Twitter saying, hey, what do I do now? I mean, it had like it had a couple of bad days. Here's the thing. I know that there's been a lot of insider selling by Todd McKinnon, who's the CEO. I think he's terrific. But you know what? These are the kinds of stocks that are coming in here. You can wait. You do not need to step up the plate to buy Octa right here. Dave in Illinois. Dave.
0: Factor Kramer. Dave. Well, now, got any San Marzano or German Johnsons growing this year?
1: German Johnsons, they look good, frankly. They just are coming in. They're a week later than the other tomatoes, to be honest. Um, but they look so good, and I have one with a sandwich this weekend. It's very succulent. Thank you for asking.
0: Sounds good. It's a cloud-based software as a service platform. It's not Survey
1: Primate, it's Survey Monkey, SVMK. Survey Monkey, Dave, and thank you for the kind comments about my about my garden. Uh, SurveyMonkey is actually a very good company. They had a very strong quarter. Uh, is there a hurry to buy it right here? There's no hurry to buy anything, but the company's doing quite well. Let's leave it at that. Uh, let's go to Jim in Arizona, please. Jim.
3: Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. I've recently, thank you. I've recently retired and I've converted all of my stockholding to an income-based portfolio. I'm looking to add ITG, Interpublic Group of Companies. Is this a safe investment?
1: Look, it yields four and a half. Uh, I happen to think that that Roth is very good. I wish he'd come back on the show. I I think Roth's doing a good job. And I think that you're in good hands with that one. Uh, The stock is down a lot, but it only sells at 11 times earnings. Let's go to Damien in New York. Damien. Hi, Mr. Kramer. I'm 31. I've been investing for three months.
3: And uh, Revolve, my girlfriend swears by it The earnings report this past Thursday I thought was really good Sounds like an extremely efficient run business But the stock's down 15 percent since
1: then Is it a buy? Damien, I am going to say yes to that I thought it was a terrific quarter I mean terrific I think people got it wrong I think you're right And I think it's a good stock buy Don't buy all at once though Let's go to Michael in Texas Michael Hey Jim, good to hear you Thank you. We uh, get the
0: Medical Property Trust. Uh, I blocked them at 14 or 18, but I'm concerned that they overspent on acquisitions.
1: I think they did. I think you're absolutely right. Our viewers are so smart. MPW, not for me. I like Ventos. We're just going to stick with conservative. We're going to stick with Deb Kafara. One more. Let's go to Thomas in Maine. Thomas. Hey, Jim. Thomas. Go ahead. Jim, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Okay. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I wanted to ask you about Planet Fitness. I've been a member there for six years, and I've owned the stock for a year, and they just had a, what looks like a pretty good quarter, but the stock dropped. No, but you can't take your cue from the quarter because this is a very bad market right now. Planet Fitness did have a good quarter. I wouldn't buy it right here. Let it come in. It's coming down like the rest of them. And that, Landjump, conclusion, up the... Lightning Round!
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Right, what do you do with a speculative small cap drug stocked in this kind of market? Consider the case of Evolus. That's E O L S. It's a medical aesthetics play that just launched their first product, which is Javao, which rhymes with Hello! And it's designed to be a direct competitor to Allergan's Botox. If you want smooth, wrinkle-free skin, who doesn't? And you've been using Botox, you can just switch to Juvo, and that does the same thing. And it's cheaper. This morning, Evelis reported its first quarter since the drug launch. Sales came in higher than expected. That's what I care about. company did have a much wider than anticipated loss. Some are worried. We'll find out. Suggested that they're spending a great deal to establish themselves in the anti-wrinkle space. In response, the stock got slammed. It was down more than 7% at 1.3. But then again, we did have a really hideous tape. Now, we checked in with Evelis in February when the stock was flying right after they got FDA approval. I told you not to chase it. Since then, it's pulled back pretty substantially. And there were definitely things to like about the quarter. So, is it worth buying here? Let's check in with David Mutz's and he is the president and CEO of Everless to get a better sense of the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Mutazetti, welcome back to Mad Money. Good Great. to see you, David. How Good are you? To you? I'm doing well. Good. Now I've got to tell you, some people worried about a loss. All I saw was that you are taking this market by storm. With it was admittedly with a promotion, but tell me about when the promotion ended. How many people are switching back and how many aren't?
4: Yeah. So, Jim, as you pointed out, I was last on the show right after we got FDA right. approval. May 15th, we launched Javot into the market with the largest experience program to hit the aesthetic space. We call it the JET program. We had expectations of getting to 3,000 accounts in 90 days. This morning, we reported that we got to 5,000 accounts within that window of time, and we've seen great uptake. What's more interesting is that the JET program has multiple steps involved Mm -hmm. in it, and what we didn't anticipate was any meaningful revenue in the second quarter. Right. It's a significant amount of trial product for these accounts to gain experience with the chevaux product. Yet in the second quarter, despite the fact it was only six weeks, we saw revenue come in early from accounts that had completed the JET program. So those are the early adopters that got through the program. That's where the majority of our revenue came, which is an early strong sign. And I know that the there
1: was promotion, but apparently in your surveys, 22% say they wouldn't, 22% say they'll switch back, but no plastic surgery. That means seventy-eight aren't—they're—they're done with Botox.
4: Yeah, so we had over 20,000 patient surveys that came back. Right. What was most interesting is, we've talked about this, this market is a fast-growing category. A quarter of the patients that were treated with Java had never been treated with a toxin prior. The remaining three quarters, we saw them switching over from existing neurotoxins. One of the key questions before we launched was, would doctors be willing to try it, given that other competitors have been in the space for a decade, and would consumers be willing to switch? It's an early sign, but over 20,000 patients and survey data suggests that there's an appetite for a product with as compelling of a value proposition as we're bringing in well, this category. Well, it doesn't
1: hurt about this
4: head-to-head phase three trial, Europe and Canada, which is pretty conclusive, correct? That's right. Look, this company was designed from the outset to compete against the market leader. We believe we're very differentiated in our go-to-market strategy, not just the science and clinical data, but our digital platform, which is part of why we were able to get to 5,000 accounts. 90% of our transactions went through a digital application. That means accounts are not calling customer service to order. They're ordering product directly from us. And then lastly, this is a customer-centric market. 80% 80% of our sales force has aesthetic experience, and we have 140 reps around the country.
1: Well, I thought it was incredible. 190 million impressions, social media impressions? How's that possible?
4: It's been incredible. Our push on the social media side was really the focus initially. Right. It helps around our digital platform. What we've seen are thousands of accounts around the country taking our social media content and pushing that out to their patients. It's driving an incredible level of interest.
1: Now, uh, talk to me about the, uh, the, what people were saying, Jim, don't get carried away. They gave it away, and that's going to end. And once it stops giving it away, then they're going to lose customers.
4: Sure. Well, look, there's always going to be skeptics in any market. What's unique about the aesthetic market is doctors would not be interested in taking on a new technology unless they believed it had the potential to be sticky in their practice. So they were willing to adopt our JET program and 5,000 accounts have. And we see them continuing on through the different phases of JET, which continues to show that they're seeing great results. As a matter of fact, if you look at physician satisfaction, over 80% satisfaction across the board of the doctors using the product and similar trends on the consumer side. We believe that that trend carries on the stickiness, which is observed by the doctors that finished JET. They're the ones that represented the majority of our revenue in the second quarter. We'll watch that trend, of course, as we get through the third quarter.
1: What I thought was great is that you go to the website, It immediately tells you all the doctors in your area that use it, and that was what showed me that there's been such adoption because it's just a gigantic
4: list. It has been incredible. You know, this market hasn't seen a new product in over a decade. And this product in particular, because of what I talked about earlier, is creating a lot of noise. I've launched many products in the aesthetic and market. And you've
1: worked, and you know, you know Botox
4: very well. I have yet to see the noise level around this category at the level that it's at today. And I think it, it's an exciting time to be in this space. It's a fast-growing market, and we're pleased to see the early adoption. Of course, you'll want to see the future quarters as well, right. but we're pleased with the early uptake. Uh,
1: uh, talk to me about the people who've never used it. I thought that was incredible. Those have got to be millennials who are worried about how they look
4: in social media. Yeah, look, this category, only one out of 10 consumers that are getting treated or in the office today. Nine out of ten are thinking about coming in in the next two years. That's where the real opportunity for growth sits. That's why we powered this company with a single digital platform and started to focus around our doctors first. The injector and how we portray them to that consumer is the first step, and we believe we can help expand the market. That 25% number of naive patients right. that have never been treated before is a very important figure that we're really focused against, and we've contributed to that growth. One last question.
1: There are other companies out there besides Botox, but the projections I read say that everybody else is going to be passed. You'll pass all the other guys. You'll be number two by this time next year. Possible?
4: We believe that within 24 months of launch, we can achieve the number two share position in this category. And we're investing in order to drive to that right. place, and the early launch results demonstrate that we're well on track to do that. It was
1: incredible launch, really. You, you did more. You said you'd do something, and you did far better than that—more than double—and that's incredible. That's David Mutazetti. He is the President and CEO of Evolus. Okay, it's small cap. It is speculative, but it's winning. That money's back here for the break. All right. Oh, happy day. That's right. American Greed is back. And on tonight's season premiere, it's the college cheating scandal of all time. Parents paying up big bucks to get their pampered kids into top schools, and the investigation is not over. Do not miss it. Hey, Yum changing the guard tonight. I like Yum just as much. That's a good place to be in tomorrow's weakness. Like I say, there's always a bone market somewhere, and i promise, try to find it just for you right here on Buddy. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow!